Hi, I'm Karen. Hi, I'm Shinkan. We are the hosts of the Unconventional Voices podcast. Our podcast is about demystifying the current academic landscape, all while exploring innovative approaches to thrive academically and professionally. Let's get it started. Welcome to episode 13 of the Unconventional Voices podcast. If you missed last week's episode, we had Chris Dietzel talk about. His PhD journey as an international student. He also talked about his research, but this week we'll continue our conversation with Chris, and he'll be talking about dating apps in the LGBTQ2 plus community, as well as power relations within the within dating apps. We'll be talking about visible minorities and dating apps. So this is going to be an exciting episode. So I hope you tune in and you enjoy. The episode. Let's get started, Chris. You have already shared some of your, for example, what you have enjoyed about your PhD program for the conferences that you attend, and as well as some of the challenges that you encounter, for example, pandemic. So, are there any other things that you enjoy during your PhD program or challenges that you face? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So one thing, and again, I think this is indicative of my personality and perspective. I'm not going to say that this works for everyone, but uh, one thing that I found to be really helpful was to make communities, as I was, as we were kind of just talking about, make communities outside、mm. of my circles. So, like, even though I have really close friends who I've done my PhD with, who are still friends to this day,、uh, and you know, we were doing our, our studies together. I found it very, very nice to like have social friends, people I go out with, play board games with, do dinners with, travel with,、uh, and sometimes those were the same friends that I've done my PhD with. But sometimes there were people completely new and different.、Uh, and then going back to the question about like language, you know, there was also some francophones sprinkled in there, so I could、mm-hmm. play with language in different ways. So.、Um, I found it really helpful to get involved. So I volunteered with community organizations. I sat on some committees at McGill.、Um, I, I sought out different experiences to add a diversity to、uh, my PhD journey, so that a I had things outside of academia, but then b what I found to be really rewarding was that those different experiences I could connect back to my studies. So, for instance, when I was volunteering in these community organizations, I helped one.、Um, I helped one organization write a sexual violence policy for their group.、Um, I was involved in a, in a provincial-wide campaign about sexual consent for、uh, gay, bisexual, queer, trans men who have sex with men, and I, I worked on the sexual violence policy at McGill as well. So there were elements of my work, my expertise that I was building through my PhD that I was able to transfer into other areas, which felt very. Rewarding to me because it's not just that I'm writing a dissertation. It's not just that I'm sitting my in my、exactly. room alone doing research. I was able to live the knowledge dissemination, the knowledge mobilization in very real ways, which I found incredibly rewarding. And so that's something I would certainly suggest to folks: is if you have the capacity, if you have the motivation, certainly seek out opportunities to share your PhD research. You don't have to be finished with it.、Mm-hmm. Like go through the process and share your work. Find outlets to 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 share your understanding as you go through,、uh, and put your research into practice. I think that's very very important. Wow, very true, Chris. You are very passionate about the research that you are doing. Can you give us a little bit more regarding your motivation to conduct your research in this emerging field? Because it's really a very New topic, I would say. You don't hear it very often、yeah. in academia. So, 
What motivates you? So I love this question. This is not <laughs> the first time somebody has asked me, like, what was my inspiration for my PhD? Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> the the story behind it is actually quite funny. Um, so I kind of give you a taste of like the professional version, if you will. <laughs> no, we want to hear <laughs> the juicy one. <laughs> uh, so quite simply, uh, my PhD interest evolved from a conversation I was having with friends about unsolicited dick pics. Uh, <laughs> <fair>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So as I was this part-time research assistant, I was mm-hmm. chatting with a couple other research assistants on the grant. Uh, and one of them was talking about how she was on Tinder or some app. I don't remember what it was, but she was chatting with this guy for a few days and she was really excited to meet him. They were supposed to have a date that night, but he just sent her an unsolicited pic huh. and she was really annoyed. And <laughs> I mean, like, understandably <laughs> so. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, not good. Um, and since she and me, and then there was one other student who was there. So the three of us, we were just kind of chatting about this, uh, about her experience and how she was like looking for a man who's feminist and how this was really frustrating because she thought she understood the kind of character he had from their conversations. But then he did this right before they were supposed to meet. We started talking about like how something as quote unquote simple Mm -hmm. as an unsolicited dick pic actually carries so much weight, especially around gender, around power, around sex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I see you both nodded. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we are. (laughs) Yeah. And so that really, I appreciated that the three of us were research assistants and had this shared understanding of, of our field. Mm. But at the same time, we were also talking about it as people, right. As individuals who've, who've kind of lived something. And that really, that conversation just spurred in my mind, like, okay, she's a woman who received a dick pic from a man. So, but what about like queer people? What about a man who receives a dick pic from another man? What if we think about like the interactions outside of this heteronormative frame? Like, what do other people think and how is power and sex exercised Mm -hmm. in these digital spaces? How do people experience that? What are their reactions? Is this a gendered phenomenon? Is this a sexually violent phenomenon? And so, honestly, that's where I was like, oh, I wonder what people think. And I started, so this this very simple, casual conversation that I had with a couple friends, colleagues at the time, Mm. really launched my curiosity into how, you know, these ubiquitous everyday experiences can can carry a lot more meaning and significance, especially when we think about it within a frame of consent, safety, health, security, sexual violence, etc. Uh, can yeah. you tell us more about that power relation that like, what were your conclusions based on those unsolicited dick pics? Well, it even goes back to to the question that you had before, you know, recognizing your own identity as a black woman or Shintan, your identity as an Asian male, you know, like there's, there's, we can't, we have to, we always have to be aware of how identity comes into play. And there's so much power that is held in, in people's identities. And so when we, when we think about something like an unsolicited dick pic, or when we think about messages or comments, we can't separate that from the person behind that, either from like the perpetrator or from, I don't want to say the victim, but the recipient of that. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's part of what I reckoned with in that, in that book chapter is how identity comes into play and how we have to take an interse- intersectional perspective to understand and unpack mm. all of the power that, because, you know, like if we, if we just look at my friend as as a woman and this was a man who sent it to her, 
we can say, yes, there was a gendered aspect to it. But if we look at other identity factors as well, or if we look at other aspects of that interaction, you know, we can see that there's much more weight and much more power in all of, in so many different layers, right? Yeah. And that's that's the part that I find just fascinating is it's not something as simple as a dick pic. There's a lot there. Um, would women send each other boob pics from your research? Honestly, there there hasn't been a lot of focus on women who have sex with women and the practices, like the, their understandings and experiences of sexual violence and consent. Mm. Unfortunately, there's very few people, which then again comes back to this question about power and identity. A lot of the people uh, who are looking – well, let me rephrase that because – there's a lot of women who studied sex, who study sexual violence and gendered violence. But then if we're looking at dating app experiences and technology amongst queer people, that is a very male dominated, dominated field. Okay. For me at this interaction, uh, intersection between like sexual violence, gendered violence, which tends to be very female dom- dominated and like technology media studies, which is often very male dominated. There's not a lot of people at this intersection who's doing this work. Mm. So to date, to my knowledge, I don't know of any anybody who's looked at women who have sex with women and how how they would experience or even conceptualize how they would respond to like uh, an unsolicited boob pic or an unsolicited mm-hmm. vagina pic. I don't know if that, in my mind, that doesn't necessarily carry the same weight. But to my knowledge, there hasn't been research that's done to ex- to explore that. I guess I have one last question in terms of education. How do we educate? the youth, graduate students? How do we educate people in terms of dating apps in general? Because like Jintan mentioned, it's, consent was not something that was taught in his school. No. Dating apps were not something that were, was big when I was in high school. But yeah. now it's it's the, the thing. And especially after the pandemic, during the pandemic, that's I feel like that's how most people met each other. Exactly. So where do we go from here? So that's actually another research project that I'm doing. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm on, a, I'm on a team and we're looking at uh, technology facilitated sexual violence in, among youth. And so this is a Canada-wide project that's mm-hmm. looking at five different provinces and territories. And right now I'm working with a student and we're doing uh, policy analysis to look at how um, technology facilitated sexual violence and cyberbullying have been uh, coded in policies across the provinces and territories. And so part of that is looking at sex ed. So how are people learning about consent? How are they learning about sexual violence? Um, To what extent have these themes been integrated into the policies? I want to emphasize that we're not looking at practices. I don't know Mm -hmm. how individual teachers or school boards Mm -hmm. take these approaches, but we're looking at provincial and territorial uh, policies. So yeah, so we're looking at sex ed, we're looking at curricular documents, we're looking at policies, um, and we want we are doing this analysis to uncover exactly, um, at least from like a pen and paper standpoint, like what are students learning around these issues, where are the gaps, what's done really well, and of course, where are we going mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, and so actually, just this morning, uh, I, the paper that I was working on was... Um, looking at how gender-based harm, sexuality-based harm, and intersectionality, the, we're looking at how those three factors in particular, for one of our papers, looking at how those three factors in particular have been identified by the provinces and territories mm. as factors of people's experiences of consent and sexual violence. Oh, 
interesting. I love that. Yeah, and I, it's so fascinating how Chris, you are able to put your thoughts into concrete plan, concrete research <laughs> projects, and you know that that that's one thing I always admire you so much because I feel like, yeah, there are a lot of creative person out there, but. What we don't have is people who can actually put their thoughts into something, you know, like a research project that you can actually carry it out. Like for me, I think at one point when we were having a class with uh, Dr. Ron and Morris, do, do you still mm-hmm. remember him? Yeah, we were talking about values and ethics in education. And at one point, I was really fascinated. I was like, I want to do sex education in my uh, future uh, research, but I really just cannot find that perspective. It's so fascinating that you are able to approach this topic from so many unique perspectives. And for that, I really, really do respect and admire your work. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so, Chris, where can our listeners reach? How can they reach you? Where can they get a, How can they get a hold of you? Where can they get your articles, your book chapters, etc.? <laughs> yeah, so you can find me on Google Scholar. So Chris Dietzel, I'm available there. Otherwise, I have a website. Uh, like my academic profile is on McGill's website. So again, you can search Christopher Dietzel mm-hmm. and I'll pop up. I don't yet have a personal website, but that's on my list of things to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can definitely reach out. And I want to, and on that note to all the listeners, you know, if, if you have a question or if you have an interest in this idea, I'm always interested in hearing from students. I'm, I'm happy to continue this conversation. So my email, uh, my email addresses are like up on my website. So feel free to, to reach out if, if you have questions. And we'll include it in the episode show notes as well. Definitely. Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise, and thank you for your time. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave us a comment on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, at the Unconventional Voices. And if you have any topic suggestions, send us an email at info at the unconventional voices.com. Thanks for listening.